Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Portions of the day's programming are reproduced by means of electrical transcriptions or tape recording. This is Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Never say never, but never. I plan on leading this team with an unwavering standard. Everybody love everybody. We will call it the golden standard. And this is the standard that will drive this football program to its 12th national championship. With Sean Styers. I like that guy. Hey, what you could do is, is you could have a barbecue on that head. It's a good time, you know what I mean? On Sports Radio 960 AM, double. USBT. He's running down the middle by the 50. He's bare-chested and banging his chest. They're chasing him. They're not going to get him. And now your host, Sean Styers. Hola! How we doing? Happy Cinco de Mayo from Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Hope you're having a great one. Trying to stay dry out there anyway. And if you're celebrating Cinco de Mayo, goes without saying, do it safely. And of course, uh, you know, I guess do it with a nice cold Corona. You know, just one of the many beverages distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. We're going to have kind of a quick moving first hour of the show tonight. Two different guests on tap coming up. Notre Dame men's lacrosse coach Kevin Corrigan is going to join me first. That'll be at about 525. And then we'll get a Notre Dame football recruiting update after that from Christian McCollum from irishsportsdaily.com. And then 6 o'clock hour, Bobby Hensley will be in but uh, again Kevin Corrigan and then Christian McCollum coming up here in a little bit playing a little bit of a uh, musical chairs with the show I guess today moving things around a little bit Um, but you know where there's really been a game of musical chairs going on it's the TV networks with their play-by-play announcers and analysts because you can pretty much pick a network any network and things are going to look and sound um, a lot different once the football season rolls around this fall. And that includes Notre Dame football broadcasts on NBC. Or at least it should be different. We still don't have official word, which I think seems kind of weird. But it sh- you know everything is, is pointing that way, that, that things are going to look and sound different. Because first of all, Mike Tirico is being moved up the food chain to do Sunday night NFL football games for NBC. He's been calling uh, Notre Dame games for NBC since 2016, and now he's finally going to do what he left ESPN to do, you know, to go to NBC, which is doing the NFL. So Tariko's moving on to Sunday Night Football, but we still don't know for sure. You know, just because he's going to the NFL doesn't automatically mean he's leaving the Notre Dame booth. But again, NBC still hasn't announced anything one way or the other. But here's Tarico and what he said about it recently on the Sports Media Podcast with Richard Deitch. I haven't gotten that far. You, you would imagine, you would imagine so. But, you know, I mean, you know, Gus Johnson did uh, Saturday, Sunday this week a few times. Joe Buck's done. That's true. Some, yeah. Joe, Joe's done World Series and Thursday Night Football, you know, for seven straight nights. So any, anything is possible. I, I'll, I'll let our folks decide of how they want to. And I'll let I'll let uh, 
our bosses, Sam Flood and everybody else decide how I get, uh, how I get deployed. But, uh, you know, obviously when you, when you're on the NFL, that becomes your primary focus because of the impact of it. So if that's the case, I'm sure something will change. So again, he's saying he hasn't been told yet. He's going to let his bosses decide. But as he said right there at the end, the most telling piece, if there is, I guess, a telling piece is just the fact that, well, now he's an NFL announcer and that's got to take priority but as he also said you know some guys do double dip a little bit so at best though it's a maybe that Tarico is going to be back doing Notre Dame games this season but it's also now sounding like NBC is going to be looking for a new analyst for the games as well because the news that's been reported by sports media reporter Andrew Marshand is that Fox is interested in Drew Brees as an analyst for its NFL package and the original play for Breeze when he retired from the NFL was to do Notre Dame games for, what, a year or two and then possibly replace Chris Collinsworth in the Sunday night booth. Well, that didn't quite work out as planned for Drew Breeze. And, you know, it doesn't. It didn't seem like there were any major complaints about him um, doing Notre Dame games. His biggest problem was the one NFL game that he did last year, the Bengals-Raiders playoff game on NBC. And he just did not do well. Uh, you know, NBC pumped the brakes hard after that and gave Chris Collinsworth a contract extension, actually, you know, to stay with Sunday Night Football. And then they weren't sure what to do with Breeze. You know, again, worst case, he could stay on the Notre Dame broadcast. They have to have somebody there and that you know that's kind of been a little bit of a revolving door the last few years from Flutie to Tony Dungy and then obviously Breeze this past year personally I thought Tony Dungy was better than Breeze you know on a for for a variety of different reasons but I I didn't hear a whole lot of of Breeze this year on the Notre Dame games because you know we were at the games this year whereas the year before we had to do everything from home so actually heard a lot more of Tony Dungy but you know, I did, you know, I'd go back on Sundays and kind of rewatch parts of the game and stuff like that. But again, didn't really hear anything off-putting about Drew Brees. But that playoff game, that Bengals-Raiders playoff game, what I heard there was a guy who had no real interest in being remotely critical of anything. His only interest was the X's and O's. You know, we're going to watch this play and then, you know, we're going we're gonna to go through this play, X and O type stuff. Whereas, like, Tony Romo, more emotion, more fun, you know, telling you what might happen, telling you what a player might be thinking, telling you what could happen in a certain situation. And, you know, he was always really good at end of half and, you know, end of, end of game you know, type situations, what, you know, what the quarterback's thinking, where he needs to get, what the coach is thinking, all those different things. You, you got none of that from Drew Brees. Brees just basically treated each play like a piece of game film that he was watching Monday morning. That was that was kind of my take on him. But again, bottom line is we still don't know what the Notre Dame TV booth on NBC is going to look like this season because again, Tarico going to Sunday night NFL football, Drew Brees could be headed to Fox and obviously if Brees goes to Fox, they've got to find someone to take his place. Would they just bring Tony Dungy back? I think you could do a lot worse than that. But, you know, theoretically, they could they could both be there. They could both be gone. 
or you could see Tariko back and no Breeze because he's at Fox, or you could see Breeze back and no Tariko, you know, with someone replacing Tariko. So a lot of things still up in the air, at least publicly anyway, with what's going to happen in that NBC Notre Dame football booth this fall with both guys kind of up in the air still a little bit. Pretty much, though, like when you look at the NFL, pretty much every other major NFL number one TV broadcast booth is going to be different this season with the exception of the CBS booth, which, you know, that's still going to have their mainstay. Jim Nance, along with Tony Romo, no change there, um, you know, but there's been a shakeup with pretty much everyone else. You know, the biggest move, Joe Buck and Troy Aikman leaving Fox after two decades together. They go to ESPN and Monday Night Football. So, you know, Aikman left first. He gets the big bucks, becomes the highest paid analyst on TV first, you know, in terms of the NFL anyway. Then Buck makes the move after him. They traded a football game. What was it? Penn State, Purdue. Um, that's that's what ESPN or, or what um, Fox, rather, is getting from ESPN as part of the deal for, uh, for Joe Buck to go to ESPN, the Purdue-Penn State game. Yeah, well. But, you know, they're not necessarily – they didn't have to necessarily break the bank to get Buck. But as far as Monday Night Football is concerned, I mean, it, now they've got what could be the best broadcast booth ever or at least, you know, definitely the best since ESPN took over back in, what, 2006 when Monday Night Football left uh, ABC. They flipped it over to ESPN, and, of course, that brought about the creation of Sunday Night Football – on NBC, so you got Buck and Aikman on ESPN, and with those guys leaving Fox, Kevin Burkhart is going to be their new number one play-by-play guy. He worked with Greg Olson last year. A lot of people really high on Greg Olson. I think he's good. I don't know if he's number one type guy. You know, like if you said Troy Aikman, Tony Romo, Greg Olson. I just don't know. I mean, it's pretty obvious. You know, one of these things is not like the other. You know, one, they're not a, he's not a Dallas Cowboys quarterback. So, you know, I don't know if that's good or bad. For a lot of people, it's good. For others, it's bad. But he's also not a quarterback. He's a tight end, better than Jason Witten. But I just – I don't know if he's number one material. But that's also part of why Fox apparently has some interest in Brees. And, that you know, that's why he's in play because Fox is losing Troy Aikman. And Fox is also going to be broadcasting two of the next three Super Bowls. And so I would think that an easy solution could be just to put Olsen and Breeze together in the booth with Burkhart as the number one play-by-play guy. And then you've got Olsen, Breeze, because they, you know, Olsen, again, like Olsen has more personality, but he's not jumping out there again, you know, like Romo, whereas Breeze is definitely an X and O guy. I do think quarterbacks make better analysts because of the fact that just the nature of the position. They have to see so much of the field, and they essentially have to know what everyone else is doing and stuff like that. So, you know, there's some good debris, and maybe working with Olsen could kind of, you know, they could each bring a little something out of each other. You know, sometimes not always, you know, three-man boosts aren't always great, but I think in that case, you know, like if it was just Olsen or just Breeze, I don't think that that, uh, that would necessarily be great for Fox, especially considering they've got two of the next three Super Bowls, but... Maybe both of them together is the better move. And then the Sunday night booth is now Tariko. Chris Collinsworth stays aboard there. Tariko moving into that booth. And Al Michaels, um, he's on the move after being the first play-by-play guy in the NBC Sunday night booth when uh, he and John Madden jumped over 
in 2006. And so now Michaels, still going to be doing the NFL, but he's doing the new Thursday night NFL package for Amazon. And remember, if you want to watch Thursday night NFL football games this season, you've got to have the Amazon streaming service. Um, They are going to be broadcasting on TV in the local home markets, but we are not considered that home, you know, in that market because we are far enough away from Chicago. So you're going to need the, the, you know, like, but that would only be for like, you know, if the Bears were on there anyway, you know, for that one game. But, you know, so you're going to need the streaming package if you want to watch any Thursday night football. It'll be interesting to see how that does. Al Michaels will be joined by Kirk Herbstreet in the booth there. And uh, he's still going to be doing ESPN's College Game Day and the college football broadcast Saturday nights, but Herb Street is also going to be doing NFL full-time now with Al Michaels in that Thursday night package after he's done a handful of Thursday night games over the years. So he's going to jump in and get his first real full-time opportunity to do NFL games. So I'll be interested to see how that goes. That's, I mean, that's just in terms of names and guys who know what they're talking about, Michaels and Herb Street should be a good booth. See how they how they work together. I'm sure, I'm sure it'll turn out pretty well. But again, you've got to have that streaming package if you want to watch. But like I said, things are going to look and sound a lot different when you're watching football this fall. Whether it's Notre Dame football, pretty much you know the the NFL with the number one booths and all that kind of stuff. So it's going to be a lot different once football rolls around in September. But uh, we'll have to again, we'll have to wait and see what happens with that Notre Dame booth on NBC. Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat is brought to you by Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Sports fans, this Bud's for you. Tim Growl State Farm Insurance. Save money on home and auto insurance with Tim. Serving both Indiana and Michigan, call 574-232-9981. Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger. Serving our community while serving Michigan's most favorite pizza since 1978. And the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Hunger's a story we can end. Find out how at feedindiana.org. Take a timeout when we come back. Kevin Corrigan, Notre Dame men's lacrosse coach, will join me. And then after that, we'll have a Notre Dame football recruiting update with Christian McCollum from irishsportsdaily.com. Kevin Corrigan, though, is next on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat continues on Sports Radio 960 AM WSBT, the uh, the weather in South Bend today is obviously not good, but Saturday it is actually supposed to be very good, and that's good news for uh, for not just you, but for everybody concerned because 12th-ranked Notre Dame men's lacrosse is hosting 7th-ranked Duke this Saturday at noon at Arlotta Stadium, and with us right now in his 34th season as head coach of the Irish men's lacrosse team is Kevin Corrigan. How are we doing today, Coach? I'm doing great, except I think you have those rankings backwards. I think we're number seven. Did I turn it around? I apologize. That's that's what I get for trying to make my own notes. Seven, and I and I don't mean to short you on you know five ranking spots either. That's pretty important right now. You know, going into this weekend, uh, se- well, seventh ranked Notre Dame, twelfth ranked Duke. <laughs> you can take it from we're, there. <laughs> we're going. You know, we're playing for a tournament bid this weekend. Really, exactly. Um, the two of- us are in are in a situation where we need this game and so uh it's a it's a big one should be fun well and this has kind of turned into a uh, a pretty good rivalry you and uh, duke here in recent years as well where, where does this kind of rank in terms of, of rivals you've had in your 34 years as a head coach 
Oh, I don't think we have a better one than us and Duke. Uh, we, you know, we go back and forth beating each other. Um, you know, and, and unfortunately, they've ended our season more times than we want to remember in the NCAA tournament, including in the national championship game twice. So, uh, you know, that that's as, that's as heated as you can get with with somebody on the other side. Um, and, and uh, you know, something we want to try to reverse starting tomorrow yeah, or Saturday. Absolutely. And, the, you know, they're a program, obviously, with a lot of tradition. You've played in a national championship game against them a few years back as well. Did they, did they kind of, when you joined the ACC, did they kind of make you, you know, raise your, your own bar when, when you're, you know, going to be going up against a program like that all the time? Well, I mean, that, yeah, our league is the best league in the country and, and year in and year out, you know, um, you know, last year, four of the top five teams in the country were, were, were ACC teams. Um, and, and it's just not, that's not a surprising result. So, uh, yeah, you, you you better bring your A game in our league, that's for sure. Well, and like you said, Selection selection Sunday is coming up, and the field in lacrosse is a lot smaller, you know, like than in basketball. You're talking about 16 teams, right? So everything everything matters quite a bit. Everything gets, uh, you know, sort of uh, amplified. Yeah, and, and half of those are, are filled by AQs, right, by automatic qualifiers from league champions one of which is not the ACC champion because we don't have, we don't have enough teams to qualify as, as, a, as an AQ. And so, uh, so that means that they're really, you know, all five of our teams are fighting over eight spots that are left in the, in the entire tournament for the rest of the country. So it's, 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 a, it's a high bar just to get into the thing. And, and I think this year, um, un, uh, kind of unusually, uh, we may only get two teams from our league into the tournament, and, and I think it'll be either us or Duke and Virginia. And and uh, so so you know it's a little bit of winner take all on Saturday. You're uh, riding a little bit of a hot streak now and a winning streak coming uh, into this weekend, and you know you're seven and four overall, and most of those losses came in succession back real early in the season. What's kind of been the difference for you here? You know, down what over the last couple of months or so? Yeah, you know, we started off uh, two and four, Sean, and four, all four losses were to teams in the top ten, but but still disappointing losses. Sure. Um, we had a we had a young faceoff guy who was who was getting his bearings and and uh, and and was unfortunately matched up against some of the very best faceoff guys in the country, and that that's a huge piece of our game because when you're short possessions, you have to you have to beat every the other team in every other aspect of the game to win. You know, I mean, you just you, you can't be short possession. Um, and then and then we just you know we 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 made a couple changes at mid year to to uh, I think make our offense a little bit more productive. Uh, our defense kind of grew up a little bit, grew together. We have two starters in there who who are fifth year transfers, uh, grad transfers, and it just took a little time for it all to come together. But since then, the, the, we've won five in a row. Uh, the only game we've really been close is, is the Duke game down there, which was a terrific game. Uh, really sets up tomorrow for for being or, or Saturday, excuse me, for being a a, a, a knockdown drag out because that was a that was a sixteen fifteen brawl down there, and <laughs> I look for something similar here this weekend. Yeah, is there anything you can take from a game like that when it was as high scoring as it is and, and as close as it was as well? Well, we take from it that we don't want it to be that high scoring. <laughs> I, I, we we kind of said to our guys this week, you know, as well as we played in that game, and we did make a lot of plays, we 
we didn't play great defensively, and, and we know we can do better than that. And, and so I think if we do, um, you know, we can, we can come out with, a, with, with the same result. But we're going to have to play better defensively than we did the first time around. You had a, you, Offensively, we were we were very good that day. Yeah, obviously. I mean, you score sixteen goals. You're never going to sneeze at at sixteen goals. But uh, yeah, and then like you said, you won sixteen to fifteen in that game, and uh, that was uh, the the second game of this current win streak that you're on. And uh, Saturday closes out the regular season there at Arlotta Stadium. Again, that game is noon. You had a couple of guys, Liam. Entman and Pat Cavanaugh, who were just named ACC Defensive and Offensive Players of the Week last week. What, what have they kind of meant for you guys in your program this year? Well, those are, you know, obviously two great players. We, you know, up at Syracuse last week, it could have been a much different day if we don't have those two guys. Liam had 22 saves and really kept that from ever being a close game. It, it, it could have been much closer. Um, and, and Pat had nine points or ten points, and, and it's amazing as good a program as Syracuse is in the last two years, I think Pat has somewhere 35 to 40 points against them. Wow. He has scored, you know, eight or nine or 10 points in every game that we've played against them in the last two years, which is two a year. It's crazy because, I mean, that's, that's kind of unprecedented. I, I'm, I'm going to say no one else has ever had a two-year run like that against Syracuse. That does sound pretty amazing when you put it that way. That's absolutely right. And, you know, like I said, Saturday is your regular season finale now. You host Duke again. It uh, starts at noon at Arlotta Stadium. And then NCAA selections come out Sunday night. Now, you you talked about defense. What else do you really need to see for your from your team Saturday, especially with those pairings coming out Sunday? Yeah, I mean – Obviously, offensive efficiency has got to be good, but we got to win the ground balls, and it's such a, an important thing, you know, whether it's, whether it's the face-offs or whether it's the, the, the ground balls in the course of play. Um, you know, that's something we did really effectively down there, and I think it's why we won that game, honestly, more than any other factor. Um, so that, that's a huge piece of it. Um, but, but, yeah, like I say, Liam, we have to protect Liam in the cage. Um, and, and make sure that he's seeing the shots that he's comfortable with. Because if he is, we know right now there's nobody in the country playing better in the goal than Liam is. All right. Sounds good. Again, noon Saturday. And, again, the weather is supposed to be a lot better Saturday than it is today. Admission is it free. Hasn't been <laughs> it hasn't been much of a spring, but we'll take a beautiful day on Saturday. I'll tell you what. I'll take one like we had a couple weeks ago You know, when the football team was playing the blue-gold game out there. But – might not be quite that warm, but it's supposed to be nice. And then you got Garth Brooks Saturday night, so come for the lacrosse at noon. Stay for Garth Brooks later on. Hey, Kevin, uh, thanks for joining us today. Uh, congratulations on the season you've had so far, and good luck Saturday. Sean, thank you very much. Absolutely. Kevin Corrigan, head coach of the Notre Dame men's lacrosse team. 34 years as the head coach over there, and it is seventh-ranked Notre Dame. 12th-ranked Duke this Saturday again, noon at Arlotta Stadium. Fill the place up because, again, the weather's going to be good and the admission is free. So get out there and uh, watch some lacrosse Saturday. We're going to take a timeout when we come back. Christian McCollum's going to join me. We've got our Notre Dame football recruiting update on the way on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Budweiser's weekday sports beat continues on Sports Radio 960 AM WSBT. We'll uh, move on to a little Notre Dame football recruiting now with Christian McCollum from irisportsdaily.com. How are you today, sir? 
Thanks for having me. Yep, absolutely. Good to have you as always. Well, kind of a lot of activity going on, I guess, right now, you know, with uh, with, with recruiting and all. I, I saw Notre Dame put out a couple of new offers to some uh, 2023 guys this week. So uh, first one is an offensive lineman from the state of Kansas, Joe Odding. What can you tell us about him? Yeah, I'd say this was an offer the kid had been waiting on, but I'm not sure he was expecting it, at least not until recently. Hmm. He did visit in the fall, but I'm not so sure there was a ton of communication between then and this week when he found out about the offer. That being said, he told me he was, quote, unquote, speechless by it, and it's <laughs> definitely one he's going to consider. Um, and he even mentioned to me that Notre Dame was kind of like a dream school of sorts. So, um, you know, he wasn't he was in South Bend for a game last fall. Um, he's going to return next month uh, just prior to Irish Invasion. Um, Irish Invasion can be on a Sunday. Notre Dame traditionally has a passing camp and alignments camp the day before. Um, so he's going to be there to to participate in that and get a little bit of a tour around Notre Dame. And then he'll probably take an official later in the month. So, um, you know, this kid, he's, he's, he's got offers from Kansas, Kansas State, Nebraska, um, Iowa, Iowa State, and Baylor, schools like that. Um, the only other official he has right now is is a is a official locked into Iowa um, the last weekend of June. So um, I know a lot of people are like wondering where did this offer come from? Kind of came out of left field. But does it mean they're out on some other guys? And I don't necessarily think so. Um, obviously, Austin Cervell's a guy we've talked about multiple times on this show. Came down to Notre Dame and Ohio State for him. He was going back and forth. He committed to Ohio State this week. Um, so that's one guy off the board. Notre Dame wasn't shocked by that by any means. Um, another guy we've talked a lot about on here, Samson Okunlola, the kid from Massachusetts. He still remains a bit of a mystery at this point. You know, Notre Dame, they did surge with him when Harry Heastan came up, uh, was hired again. But, you know, they kind of are still kind of in limbo trying to figure out his true interest level. And so at this point, it, it makes sense for them to kind of make sure they do have some other targets on the list. And, and I throw Elijah Page in this, Mitch, uh, in this mix with Joe as well. Elijah's a kid that was offered a couple months back. Um, he's locked in an official visit, so he's going to be on campus next month. Um, but I don't think this is reflective by any means of where Notre Dame stands with some of their other top you know, offensive line targets, you know, guys like Charles Jagusa, Monroe Freeling, Sullivan Absher. Um, Absher and, and Jagusa, I still feel really strong about where Notre Dame stands with them. Um, I think they're right in the thick of it, if not the leaders there. Um, and as far as Freeling goes, you know, he's always been operating on a, on a lengthier time frame than most guys. I mean, Freeling may not decide until the fall. Um, Notre Dame is still in the mix there, you know, seriously in the mix there. Um, but with him not deciding that that long, um, depending on what happens with these other guys, you know, Notre Dame, they have to continue to make sure they, they have their bases covered. And I think that's what we're doing here. All right. So uh, that is Joe Odding, offensive lineman from Topeka, Kansas. Hayden High School, that's my wife is from Topeka. Hayden High School is the Catholic school there. So he goes to the Catholic school there in, in Topeka. So that, you know, that kind of makes some sense when you connect those dots. There's another guy from 2023, a Missouri wide receiver, Josh Matting. How about him? Yeah, so Josh is a kid. He goes to Lee's Summit High School, which for me, I don't know. Sometimes these 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 high schools stick in my memory bank. Drew Locke went <laughs> Drew Locke went to high school there. And so there you go. <laughs> talking a lot about Lee's Summit, but uh, yeah. So Tommy Reese was out there yesterday, and he checked on Manning in person. Got a chance to 
you know, lay eyes on him and see him work out. That's really valuable in the recruiting process and the evaluation process uh, is just being able to see the kid in person. So Reese made that stop there. Reese was also um, out to see Joe. That's where that offer came from. Um, and then, you know, basically Reese's reports on Manning in person, coupled with what wide receiver coach um, Chancey Stuckey was able to see on film, you know, they decided to extend the offer. Um, another offer that, you know, kid was really, really fired up about. Now he plans to get to South Bend soon, wants to see more of the school, wants to learn more about it, but he isn't sure when that's going to be. Um, you know, he's, he got officials right now locked into Iowa State and Missouri. Um, I do expect him to take that unofficial to Notre Dame. And if, if all that goes well, I think he'll return to South Bend on an official visit. Um, this is all obviously happening pretty fast for him. Um, but his only time frame for a decision right now is that he just wants to have it done by his first game next fall. So, you know, this is several months out. This is not a kid that's looking to wrap up his recruitment uh, by the end of June or anything like that. Sure. All right. Christian McCollum, irishsportsdaily.com with the Notre Dame football recruiting update. We've talked a lot about, you know, some of these top targets a lot, but I wanted to ask about a few guys that maybe we haven't talked quite as much about in that stretch. One of them is Devin Houston. He's a defensive tackle. Kid from Canada originally but he's playing in the States right now. So what do you know about this guy? Yeah, so Devin, he visited uh, back in January, and he really, really loved it. Um, Notre Dame defensive line coach Al Washington and Marcus Freeman have been doing a great job building relationships here with him. Surprise, surprise. Um, and, you know, we actually believe Notre Dame is the team to beat right now and wouldn't be surprised to see this kid make a decision soon, like, like, like soon, soon. Um, and you know, definitely something to keep an eye on. This is a—he comes from a truly athletic family. His older brother Caleb was a five-star basketball prospect just last year. Uh, played at Michigan this past season, and, and he's already testing the NBA draft waters. So uh, this is a family that knows what they're looking for in schools. Um, they know they understand how the recruiting process works. You know, when you're dealing with five-star basketball recruits, I mean, you're getting the whole thing um, when sure. it comes to recruiting. Um, so he's a very athletic family. Um, and Devin, you know, being a defensive lineman, he is someone that Irish fans really need to keep a close eye on and, like, you know, really pay attention here. All right. And then, then there's another one also on the defensive side, Maryland defensive end Jason Moore, top-level national guy. Notre Dame's really been on him for a while now so what's kind of the latest with him another defensive lineman with an older brother who is a standout basketball player hmm. uh, moore's brother which is justin moore um if anyone watch you know pays too much attention to college hoops you know his brother plays for villanova yeah um, and he, he's the young man who uh you know unfortunately was injured at the very end of yeah Villanova's the achilles game yep yeah as they were wrapping up um, you know, their trip to the, you know, uh, clinching their trip to the Final Four. Uh, Justin Moore is a kid, Notre Dame basketball recruiter for a little while. They're from the DeMatha. DeMatha is pretty much, you know, one of the perennial basketball powers in the country. And, and Jason, you know, played hoops there too. Um, so we're talking about a truly athletic defensive lineman. Um, unlike Devin, uh, J uh, J Jason Moore is not really in a rush to make a decision here. Um, but we also feel like Notre Dame is, is another kid. Notre Dame's in a really, really good spot. Um, you know, he really likes Marcus Freeman. He really likes Ab Al Washington, really likes Chad Bowden. Um, and, you know, he's he's already been to South Bend. This is a kid that, you know, Notre Dame has been trying to get this kid on campus for years. It feels like I've been covering this kid for five <laughs> years now. Um, really nice young man, um, really respectful. His AAU basketball schedule has made it uh, you know, difficult in the past to get up to South Bend. I know 
a couple summers ago. He was hoping to like squeeze in a trip up to South Bend while he was in Indy playing hoops. Um, he did make it on campus last fall for a game. The hope is he'll be back again. Um, but you know, it's hard to overstate. I mean, this is a truly elite level guy, the kind of guy that would be, he'll be one of the, if he were to choose Notre Dame, he'd be one of the best prospects in the class, regardless of whoever else comes mm -hmm. on. Like he's a, he's a headline type guy. All right. A uh, position of continued importance is cornerback, the defensive side, of course. Uh, and there's a kid from Texas, Micah Bell. He's a guy the Irish offered. It really it hasn't been too long with him. So where do they stand with Bell right now? Yeah, Notre Dame, they turned up the heat on him over the last month and a half or so. And, and it's clear that interest is mutual now. You know, Notre Dame was uh, communicating with him for a long time. They extended the offer on St. Patrick's Day. It was one of the like, – People were paying attention. That was a crazy busy pot of gold day. Right. One of the uh, 23 offers that went out was to, to Micah. Um, he was on campus for the USC game in the fall, but he's going to be back for an official next month. Um, Freeman and Chad have, Chad Bowden have made huge impressions here. Um, he really especially likes the fact that Freeman is personally recruiting him. He, he called that exclusive to me. Um, we've talked about this many times, but there's just not head coaches across the country that are involved on a day-to-day -day basis recruiting uh, the way Marcus Freeman is. It, it truly makes a difference. Um, he's not a big rush to decide. Um, timeline he gave me was kind of like maybe November. Um, so another kid that, you know, you're, you'll be recruiting for a while. Um, but the fact that they just kind of offered relatively recently isn't really going to be held against Notre Dame. Um, Tennessee and Texas are schools that had been mentioned earlier in terms of being like heavily involved. Um, but really, Notre Dame is the only school he's talked about in terms of setting up an official visit. And, and I think that does speak volumes about where Notre Dame stands with him right now. All right. I feel like I have to ask you the obligatory Dante Moore question because, <laughs> you know, there's kind of been, you know, he had the social media post here, what, a few days back, I guess. And, and it obviously, I think it shook a lot of Notre Dame fans. So, I, you know, I guess, do you look at it as, you know, even though we keep hearing this kid is committed, is, is he just sort of trying to enjoy this, this period you know, of being recruited by these different schools, or, or is there anything really to it? How do you look at this whole thing, Christian? So it's it's hard, and, and we've talked about this sometimes amongst ourselves at ISD, and, and, and I've wondered, you know, is this kind of the new way you'll be seeing recruitments go with, with NIL being a factor, yeah. right? Um, you know, before it's like, oh, you know, and, 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 and just so you know, Irish Sports Day, we're not reporting the kid as committed silently or otherwise, um, but obviously, you know, Notre Dame is – you know, we've had them as a leader at certain points, sometimes firm leader, sometimes not so firm. But, you know, with NIL going around, you know, people, you know, kids would kind of be somewhat, it'd almost be irresponsible not to kind of look around yeah. and check out all the other opportunities. Now, I'm not saying that's what he's doing. I'm just, I've, I've wondered, is this something where that's going to happen where, you know, in the past you'd say, hey, this kid really likes school X. He's just going to take another round of visits, you know, just to check these schools off the box. And then, you know, a few weeks later, he comes back and visits school X, where now it's like, all right, kid likes school X, but, you know, school Y and Z are saying they can really, you know, help him out a lot financially. Yeah. And this is legal now. You kind of got to go to school um, Y and Z. It, it reminds me of, um, I don't know if it was Daryl Dawkins or somebody back in the day. Um, again, I'm not, this has nothing to do with Dante Moore. It just reminds me of a story um, where one of these, you know, basketball players way back in the seventies was pretty firm on, you know, going straight to the pros out of 
high school um, when you could first do that. And someone convinced him to go to on an official visit. And I think he got handed $5,000 cash. And then he said, Mom, what do you think about college? And she said, well, I think you should still go to the pros, but I think we should take some more visits. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it, it just, you know, that, again, not saying that's any way what's happening right. here with Dante Moore, but just kind of the idea of like, you know, now that money is, is, is a legal thing and, and it's above the table. Um, you know, a lot of times you have to do that now. As far as the Oregon visit goes, you know, I was skeptical about all the buzz that came out of there initially about, oh, my God, Oregon's a favorite now. Mm -hmm. He's going to commit to Oregon in a couple of days. I never really bought that. Um, part of the reason is, shoot, Oregon offered a quarterback that day, the day he left. You know, that tells me Oregon doesn't think he's getting them. Um, and right now it seems like it's winnowing down to two teams. It seems like it's kind of circling down the, to Notre Dame and LSU. Hmm. Interesting. Very interesting. And, I, you know, what the NIL stuff beyond – you know, Dante Moore has obviously been a big topic. And I, and I just, you know, I, we know that Notre Dame is going to keep things above board. And, I know, you know, they got the thing that Brady Quinn has done. Is there is there enough here, do you think, you, you know, once they get here? there, You know, do you see where I'm getting at? You know, like, is there enough for, for Notre Dame, not just for Dante Moore, but – to win these recruiting battles with with these other schools who are who obviously do have you know much bigger stacks of cash it seems like that they're going to be throwing around well actually earlier this week i had a long conversation with the gentleman that would absolutely know the answer to that question and okay we'll have a big stories on that Ooh, next week um, on irish sports daily um pretty much the guy that everyone would want to talk to about this stuff okay and he is adamant that notre dame just basically being able to sell what Notre Dame sells minus NIL um, is going to be great for them. It's totally enough for them to do. Not saying they're not going to like you know talk about NIL or anything like that, but they think that this is a chance to highlight what's most important in these kids' life, which is not a handout, not the short money. Um, you know, it's the four for forty. You know, foundation. I mean, that sounds right. like a it's like a cliche you know motto by now, but it really matters, you know, and his point was like, this is about, you know, where are you going to be when you're 35, 40, 50 years old? Notre Dame's going to change you, you, your life for the rest of your life. You know, you'll be able to get a job anywhere in the world, not just anywhere in the state. Um, so this is, you know, they really feel confident that they will be just fine with this. Obviously, you know, they're going to need to, you know, Notre Dame and the people around Notre Dame, alumni, all that stuff, you know, being able to help Notre Dame keep up with the Joneses, so to speak, in terms of NIL. Uh, but Notre Dame's not backing down. Um, and from my conversation with this gentleman, they are very, very uh, confident in the things they're going to be doing over the next few years. You know, and it's uh, it's interesting you mentioned 4 for 40 because I had this conversation. Notre Dame's 2002 College World Series team had its reunion over the weekend, and I got to go over there and, you know, hang out with those guys. And there are a couple millionaires in 20 years later and it's not because of their baseball playing careers mm -hmm. it's it's because of their Notre Dame degrees and you know and even the ones who aren't millionaires th that whole group is doing really well because of the Notre Dame mm -hmm. degrees they have and this is you know it's, so it was kind of an interesting you know insight for me to, to to get to see that 20 years later you know what some of this stuff looks like for these guys yeah, and I mean, people that followed the Notre Dame spring spring game recruiting weekend knew all about how uh, Hunter Biven, my guy Hunter, uh, put together 
almost 300, close to 300 alumni from Notre Dame football to come back for that weekend. Right. Listen, they're not doing that unless they feel very confident in the fact that, you know, we have hundreds of former NFL, uh, former Notre Dame football players that are going to be able to show you exactly how Notre Dame impacted their lives. <laughs> and, and trust me, the, the message was very well received. Notre, that spring game weekend is going to pay huge dividends for Notre Dame down the road. Yep. All right, Christian, well, you already teased what sounds like a, a great piece to read that's coming up here uh, next week. What else is going on right now at irishsportsdaily.com? Yeah, we're actually going to have a few pieces based on that interview we did. That'll be next week. I, you know, I think that they're going to be really good. Yep. Um, obviously, Friday we'll have our weekly ISD Intel um, with more, you know, kind of scoop behind the scenes, that kind of stuff. Um, and we're just going to continue, you know, breaking down. Jamie will be breaking down everything that, you know, from the spring, um, him and Greg Flamong, um, while Matt is uh, Matt and John will be covering everything from football to baseball. Uh, and Mike Frank will be doing his normal kind of uh, – figuring out everything you'd hear and scoop and, and <laughs> provide. I love it. Everyone loves anything that Mike posts. So right. um, get over to Irish Sports Daily for sure tomorrow for our ISD Intel piece. Um, and then next week, like I said, we'll have multiple pieces, um, you know, giving people really idea about where Notre Dame feels it stands with recruiting now in the immediate future. All right. Sounds good. Christian, thanks as always. I will talk to you next week. Thanks, Sean. Yep. Christian McCollum, irishsportsdaily.com. We'll take a timeout. Sports Center update is coming up, and I'll just tell you right now, if you didn't hear earlier, South Bend Cubs baseball for tonight is canceled. No South Bend Cubs baseball game tonight because, obvious, if you look out the window, it's raining, uh, but they're going to make that up as a doubleheader that'll start a little after 2 o'clock Saturday afternoon over at Four Winds Field. Take a timeout. Sports Center update, and then in the 6 o'clock hour, Bobby Hensley's with me for Rapid Fire on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. You're listening to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat with Sean Styers On Sports Radio 960 AM, WSBT. Rapid Fire starts now on Sports Radio 960 AM, WSBT. And now your host, Sean Styers. Along with Bobby Hensley tonight. I just always enjoy watching you dance to <laughs> your song that you put in there. Well, it's, you know, it gets you going. It's like, all right, second hour is here. We're rolling. Yeah. You know? You called me chipper, but you're the one with the smile it's dancing at the beginning. Chipper. Why would I not be chipper? I don't know. I get to see the chipper Bobby Hensley. Oh, it's been raining for like four days oh straight. Oh, my gosh. I just. Nothing's. I'm done with this. <laughs> Summer's not happening this year. It's been canceled. My my yard is very green, though. Well, yeah. It's, it's flooded, probably. I know. I know. And my gravel driveway is a mess right now i'm getting more and more potholes as things warm up so that's fun too and you have your neighbor that you enjoy that mm. shares your driveway yes <laughs> <laughs> yes we were just talking garth this weekend i'd for, i'd forgotten that was coming up this weekend i haven't heard it promoted at all have you um yeah there's some commercials out there that i've seen but okay it's weird to me if you're going to be airing a commercial a few days before a concert must mean the sales aren't so good. So if you want to go, just get on your Facebook feed. Everybody's dumping their tickets, and yeah. you can go on Ticketmaster, and most of the upper level is still available. The weather Saturday is actually supposed to be pretty decent, especially decent. compared to today. Yeah. not Like 60s, right? 62 for a high, but I mean, the concert's at night. So, you know, you're going to look at low 50s, which I guess isn't bad, but 
way better than the first time he came. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. You want to get into these topics, or you got anything else you want to get off your chest first? Oh, I, j- I just enjoy being around you. you know? I'm sure you do. We can finish the rest of the therapy session off the air. All right. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. I was listening to a podcast today of uh, sp- sports media people, and they were both talking about how they need therapists. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it- it's a weird industry to work in, that's for sure. It is, isn't it? It is. It is. Well, how about this? Let's do some sports talk on Sports Talk Radio. All right. Yeah, we don't need to diagnose ourselves, right? <laughs> We're already diagnosed. So, <laughs> so Ohio State Athletic Director Gene Smith says college football should be run by the college football playoff and not the NCAA. Specifically... We're talking FBS football, not FCS. You know, so higher level. You know, FBS power the five majors, conferences, yeah. and yeah. Uh, so that would essentially make college football its own league if that were to happen. So if that ever happened, who should be the commissioner? And if you don't have a specific person, you know, maybe like what are the prerequisites, the characteristics that you're looking for from the person who would have that job? See, it's a tricky question because most of the time, all the commissioners of everything are never well-liked. At some point, exactly. even if they were a good person or a deputy in that world, like Roger Goodell, everybody's like, okay, and then now everything he does, everybody kind of hates, and I don't mm-hmm. really understand that because like NFL specifically has grown so much, and like baseball, hockey, basketball, all of those commissioners, so you, you have to have a guy that has thick skin to be that, that position. True. So maybe you need someone who already works in the media because... Well, and that's what I was going to say. I was going to go with Kirk Herbstreit. That's, he's one of the first people... Because like, like if I was doing this with basketball, I think... Jay Billis. Jay Billis, yeah. Yep. I, was, I was waiting to see if we were on the same wavelength there. Jay Billis yep. would be... you know He's got a law degree. He's very articulate. He loves the sport. He knows the sport. I think Herbstreit is, well, is one that would be pretty high on the list as well. Billis and Herbstreet are very similar in the sense that they they played the game. Right. They've gone through the whole process from being a recruit to being a player. They to played being the to game media. and they had at least a you know like a cup of coffee professionally. But they're they're really more known for their college playing even. Right. And, and obviously that's, and they're passionate yeah, and they're, about it. Yeah, and they're connected to to their college sports still. And that's what's kind of nice is they're passionate, so they know all aspects. They get the media side, they get the student athlete side. They know what the teams kind of have to do. So I think that someone like that would have to be pretty because they're well rounded into what, in my mind, they'd have to do to be a commissioner for this. Mm-hmm. And it, and it's kind of a weird concept because like March Madness is not run over by a committee separate than their own league, is it? For basketball, no, no. so Still run by the NCAA, right? So I don't know. It, the whole idea of it is well, a little unique. I mean, well, they're they're saying. What they're saying is football drives the bus and, yeah. and, and break away from everything else. And that the NCAA has become such an outdated model that college football, that, that nothing they do should really apply. Because, again, like as it is right now, the NCAA, they, they hold the championship for the FCS, the lower level mm-hmm. of college football. The college football playoff already runs, the, you know, in it before that it was, you know, the BCS and all that mm-hmm. difference, you know. So the NCAA doesn't sponsor football's biggest championship. They just sponsor the lower level FCS championship. So they're, they're already, they have no real hand in that, but they're just setting rules and regulations for all these different things. So, you know, Gene Smith, and again, this is a guy who's been around for a, long, a Notre Dame alum. By the way, you know, a guy who's been around college athletics for a long time. And 
you know, we're starting to hear more of this kind of stuff anyway, that that the top level college football programs just need to break away, do their own thing because they're so different than you know than everybody else because like even look at March Madness and obviously Division One schools, whether you know your your Power Five or what you know, like in if, as far as sure. March Madness goes, you know your your Binghamtons, your Albany's, your LaSalle's. Winthrop, yeah. yeah, like even Villanova that has football. Maybe that's the example. You know, your Villanova's, Indiana States that are FC, Butler. like like yeah. like you know they're yeah like they're 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 pretty big in terms of basketball stature, but they're a lot lower down in terms of football stature. Yeah, and you say drive the bus. Obviously, they do. Um, football is where all the money is. And people that want to argue it or the scholarship numbers or whatever, but football is your moneymaker. Yeah. That's, every, well, not every school, but in Division One at the top, that's your big money. So for them to have their own separate breakaway league, I think it makes sense. I It's interesting with the NILs how that's going to work out anyway because it's starting to be more and more – like even recruiting, it's like, yeah, I want to go to that school, but if this school is going to pay me more, you're starting to get into that already. Mm-hmm. And we're seeing that with the classes that already are existing. So it wouldn't be a bad idea, I think, to break away and kind of get your own setup going. It kind of embraces payment and NILs and stuff like that so that you're not in the NCAA and you can do that. But, I, you know, a league like I think I've said before, the XFL or USFL, if they had a league that was just for – and this is kind of what you're saying – now you have a brand name of Notre Dame instead of the Michigan Panthers or whatever the USFL. Right. But if those leagues had just 18 to 23 year olds, you have to be within five years of your graduating high school class to be in those leagues. Right. To make them a feeder league for the NFL. That's kind of what NCAA football kind of is. So you're so, well, what do you mean kind of? I mean, right. that's, you know, well, college, college football is basically the developmental league. For the NFL and the fact that you have to go there and you have to stay for at least three years before you're eligible to go to the but, NFL. I mean, they're they're completely a developmental league for the NFL. Right. I guess I'm saying it's just a little bit different. Like it's if maybe, they have the bra- if maybe they have the brand. indirectly, uh, you know, unofficially no. or whatever. Yeah. I mean, it's no, obviously saying, not an attached minor league, but yeah. that's what I'm saying with the league. I mean, you're I guess they're college kids because they're still enrolled. But the Notre Dame name versus having a geographic city or something is what I'm saying. So they are a sure. feeder league. I'm saying sure. if they were to just change their league to the Indiana whatevers or the Michigan whoevers, and then I, I think they need to do something because, like you said, it's antiquated. It's old. The way that football is, and they've, it, it's just such a slow evolution process for football because just, what was it, the, the BCS started with number one versus number two, and that was – a godsend for football fans because yeah. often you would have USC at number one. They got to play number 23, Iowa, in the Rose Bowl. They can't go to the champion. Like so then number two is playing somebody else in their bowl tie-ins, and that took forever to break. And we finally got one and two, and we finally got a playoff. And then the playoff, they talk about expansion, but they talk about it. We haven't seen it. So a league yeah. all their own, I think, makes total sense. But I know you have to have a commissioner at the top, but it's almost like what the – they already have as a committee might even be better because then you have more people with more well up. but i still think there has to be some kind of figurehead at the right. top even if you do have you know you you continue to have a committee and you're coming to con- there's still i think has to be somebody to be the ultimate sort of decision which, maker which is where i think a media person makes sense right because they're they're going to be your spokesman your figurehead they're going to be out there they're going to be talking so like think about 
Kirk Herbstreet or Jay Billis as to as opposed to Mark Emmert, a guy who you very rarely saw speak publicly, and then when he does, he totally puts his foot in, it ma- in his mouth. Yeah. You know, Kansas City Jayhawks. You know, presenting the <laughs> national championship trophy a month ago. You know, those yeah. kind of things, and obviously was ne- you know just just look at his track record with the decisions that kind of aloof he didn't ma- yeah yeah like very like it was almost like he didn't want to be there but he was more than willing to take the checks you know and i think beyond those guys i just i don't think you want someone from the political arena because i you know you always see like condoleezza rice's name come up you know when it when it comes to college yeah. football and she's been on the college football playoff committee and I just, I, I just don't See, think you want someone from that kind of background. The only other name that I came up with just offhand, like quickly, was Bob Stoops, a guy like that, who's been through. He's been pre- um, not president, a coach, <laughs> but then he's, you know, he's still involved with college football very closely. Urban Meyer put Urban Meyer in charge. Uh, Bob Stoops doesn't have those black marks on his record was my next line that I was going to say. Yeah, Urban Meyer, if you want a complete circus and you just want to make it, wow, could then, you imagine? <laughs> it's hard to think that he got more sleazy than he used to be, but then when he went to Jacksonville, it got significantly worse. Mm-hmm. And I think Kirk would be a good pick because people already don't like him, a lot of people. <laughs> so you don't have to worry about the thick skin, and he's just already not like. Well, see, and I don't think you want someone, you know, like one of the current conference commissioners, you know, like Greg Sankey would be probably one that people would try to throw out there right away. But they're biased. That's my point. That I don't think you would want one of them because you don't want even you don't want even the hint of of them being biased. You know, like they're right. you know like th- that they're going to have some agenda for their old conference and that kind of thing. So I don't I don't think you want that. You know, Herb Street obviously went to Ohio State. They all I don't, came from I, somewhere though. I don't think right. that right. Everyone comes from somewhere. I don't think that matters at this point. You know, like you talked about all the professional sports commissioners mostly being disliked whereas like david silver the nba is one of the you know he's one of the few exceptions but all of those guys tend to climb the ladder in their particular sports right as well you know they like goodell silver all these guys worked in you know whatever their sport was before they ended up being commissioner and now obviously if you're talking about starting a you know a new college league that you don't sort of have the, the only food chain you have is your conference commissioners or athletic directors you know at one of your bigger schools and that kind of thing so it makes it kind of tough starting this you know like yeah. one of the few times i can remember a sport going outside was um peter uberoth yeah uberoth the guy you know who was commissioner of baseball for a while well he got that job because of the job that he did putting together and running the 1984 Los Angeles Olympics you know someone like which makes that. sense yeah. yeah someone like that you know like he didn't last long <laughs> well yeah, yeah I know you're true very true well <laughs> no but like you know and you go back in baseball uh judge Kensaw Landis Mountain Landis Mount Landis yeah. yeah like he was a judge Basically and he got just, in yeah but got so because he put the put the hammer down yeah on your boys because it, well because again though he wasn't worried about being liked. He was going to just do what was right. And that's yeah. what you need. And you almost need like a visionary. And I don't know. I don't know who has the vision. Yeah, who's that but guy like, out there or, you could, or woman? So who's, I was thinking, who's that person out there? I was there? thinking about like um, Luck over at Stanford because he's been on the committee. He's always been a part of it. Yeah. You know, then a local guy, you know, not local, local, but like Lou Holtz. He's always been likable. He, he seems like he has his head around what he's intelligent. 
Peyton he, Manning. I thought about Peyton, but he, I don't know if he's seasoned enough to have that kind of a role already. But he's a he's a businessman. Mm-hmm. You know, he's and by all accounts, I a did pretty think good about him actually. Man. Yeah, and and he's obviously didn't peak in college though. <laughs> while while he's not deep into you know like he he doesn't have as much media experience and i'm not saying media needs to be a prerequisite either but i think it helps in terms of being able to stand in front of a microphone and kind of having some of that savvy but he at least has some media experience you know kind of like what you were talking about with herb street and he's got business savvy and And he's younger and he's got i mean he's you know second generation one he's a hall of famer but also second like his his dad goes back to the 1960s as as a football player as well. So football is, has been a huge part of his life, his whole life. And his whole families and yeah. everything. I thought about him as well. I just don't know if he's got enough because he's, he's his own character. And it, I mean, we're thinking about a dream job or dream person here, and there's no way he would take that. Yeah. Because he's already settled, and that's why he does his he doesn't need the, He doesn't yeah. need the headache, he does, essentially. Yeah. Yep, exactly. All right, well, let's take a timeout. When we come back, we've got more topics to go on rapid fire tonight, including Drew Brees might be leaving NBC in the Notre Dame football booth. We will talk about that and more when we return on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. See, I'm bouncing my head to Journey. See, now I am too. I'm a little more chipper now that I've heard Journey. Rapid Fire continues on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat with Bobby Hensley, Sean Styers. Who are a couple? You got a text from one of your friends was listening to our last <laughs> conversation about who, who you know potentially should be the commissioner if uh, college football did its own thing. There were there was at least one good one in there that I heard. Uh, well, you Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow. I think that that's actually. There are a lot worse ideas than Tim Tebow. You don't like that one? I don't know. He's just kind of a uh, what? What? What does he bring to what's the table? He, what's he done to show that he? Yeah, you yeah. know, he has no experience except for trying a failed baseball career. He can talk into a microphone though. Well, you know, he had a failed tight end career as well. <laughs> well, he had a failed quarterback career as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he failed in Jacksonville with uh, Urban Meyer, right? I thought that was an interesting one though. He's young, you know. He's a lot of people are drawn to him. A lot of people like him. That's just because people like him means he should be the mouthpiece of a um, just, just of a league that's independent. Because that, I mean, Peyton Manning. It's your friend. I'm just, you know, I thought it was a good idea. Well, friend's a strong word. So. It's it's someone I know. <laughs> <laughs> I think Peyton Manning's more likable and he has more experience on Agree. a lot of things. So Agree. if you're going to go the Tim Tebow route and say what he's good at, there's people that are more suitable. Peyton's at least less polarizing than Tim Tebow, right? Yeah, I think. Just the vibe I get. Tim Tebow just wants to be seen. That's why he tried a baseball career. That's why he came back as a tight end. Whereas See, Peyton I never, Manning, I never. You don't get that vibe. No, I never really got that. I know a lot of people kind of think that, but that's not really what I thought. He hasn't been relevant in a while already either. Yeah, true. All right, let's uh, let's uh, move on to a couple other topics. Fill in the blank. It's blank that Drew Brees could leave NBC and Notre Dame football to call NFL games on Fox this season. Well, I'm. I think we might agree on this. It would be good for Notre Dame if he left the booth. <laughs> yes. I just, I, watching him, because I, I haven't listened to him as Notre Dame's announcer because I've been at the games. Right. But listening to him on 
um, NBC last year, I just didn't enjoy him. No. I felt like it was too rigid, too... Like he was trying to just be like, this is the play. This is, like, just talk. And he wasn't just talking. And then he was saying stuff wrong in that playoff game. He was... I almost had to mute him. And he was never willing to be critical of anything. No. And not that you have to go out of your way to be critical, but if there, if, if things happen... You have to be able to chime in with an opinion. That is part of what being an analyst is. And I, I agree with, like, good for Nord. He, he just yeah. wanted to go XO, XO on yeah. every play. He just wanted to tell you, okay, you know, this play worked because the tackle did this, or, you know, that kind of, or, and, and sometimes not even that. It's just like, all right, so here's the block and here's the thing. And he runs through the hole, you know, A gap, what, whatever it happens to be. He didn't want to give you anything else. And like, I was talking about this earlier look like compare him to Tony Romo where now Romo's not going to go heavy XOs I mean he's going to tell you he like yeah he, he knows game situations really well and yeah. specifically he he knows a lot of offensive game situations really well but he also gives you a lot of personality and that might make up for any you know lack of further detail with some of the X and O's where like those guys are just polar opposites all Breeze wants to do is XO and and Tony more times than not, you know, just just kind of wants to be one of the guys and, and you know somebody that you can have fun with watching a game, basically. And but, so I agree with what you're saying. It's like I don't really think they lose that much. They lose a name, but that's it. But that name outside of New Orleans, where has Drew Brees been? This big, you know, media figure. I don't know how he fell up to the top level of NBC already. Because since Romo, everybody, you know, nobody wants to miss out on getting the next Romo. And I don't, I don't understand how NBC or anyone, because they paid a lot of money to get him in there. I don't understand how they thought that he was this great get. And, you know, because remember, they, he was still playing with the Saints, and he signed that contract with NBC. Which is a nice false say for him. I mean, good for him. Yeah. I mean, and I don't even know if it's just our taste and what we like to watch and what we like to hear from announcers. But like Romo adds to the watching experience, whereas Drew Brees almost muddies it down. Yeah. Like I feel like I'm like, okay, just shut up and let the other guy talk. And like I said, that playoff game, he was just calling stuff wrong and he was using the rules wrong and it, it just didn't come off on air very good. And I wonder I agree. I wonder why he's even still there. Well, and that's what I wonder like what Fox sees in him, because they're apparently considering him for the number one booth. You know, like the booth that would get to call two of the next three Super Bowls. Kevin Burkhart's going to be the play-by-play guy with Joe Buck gone yeah. now, and Greg Olson has been there. What do you think of three-man booths? Like, do you think Burkhart, Olson, Breeze would make sense? No, I don't think Olson's that great. So if you're going to add two <laughs> mundane guys to me, I don't understand. See, I don't that. think he's that great either. I, I don't. I think he's Baron Breeze. A lot of people, yeah, I would definitely say that. A lot of people are really high on him, though. But again, like. If you're comparing guys in the number one booth, Aikman, Romo, Collinsworth, even Herb Street now because he's going to, you Amazon. Know, to, to Amazon to do the Thursday night package, like Olsen Breeze are so far down that, you know, like to me, Olsen is a good number two, you know, maybe even bordering on three. Yeah. Drew Breeze is like the he's at the bottom of the barrel to me. He has no business being considered in the same conversation with with those number one guys. No, like I, the way you're talking about it, and I'm hearing it in my head, is like almost like a pitching rotation. Yeah, and you know, and Olsen's a good two or three starter for you. Like right. you want him in the rotation, you're happy he's there, but he's not your ace. And then I think 
if you're, by this comparison, Drew Brees is your your long reliever you're bringing out of the bullpen when yeah. your starter <laughs> is struggling in the second inning and you're right. just hoping to get three innings. It's like, well, I guess we have a role for him somewhere. See, I'm thinking like you put Olsen and Brees together, maybe they bring something out of each other. But then again, it's like – I just feel For like me, you, too many I just voices. feel like no matter who it is, you've always got to be poking Drew Brees with a stick to get him to say something. Right? You know? Yeah, and he could go a whole quarter, and Olsen and, and Burkhart will be talking, and he won't even have anything to add because. Yeah. And the X's and O's just get so muddied down for me. We see the play, we understand. Just make it entertaining. Right. Add something to the watch value, especially when you're talking about the number one, number one, or or a standalone like like Notre Dame even. Yeah. And then you're talking about why Fox would even be interested in him. It's almost like the fraternity of head coaches in the NFL. Once you're a head coach, you keep getting options. It's so all I the think name. I think he's been one of the top NBC people. So it's a get for Fox to pull him or pluck him. And it's I don't get it. But he was only at NBC for a year. You know that's again that's but, what I don't get. Well, the name though you said the name value. Yeah. So if Breeze does leave, and again we're talking about leaving the Notre Dame booth in NBC to go over to Fox if he does leave who who should be who should Notre Dame ha, you know NBC get to be the Notre Dame analyst then two one of my criteria for this is like why not get a Notre Dame guy I think a lot of people have been saying that for a long time long time was it yeah. Pat Hayden that was a USC guy that was an yeah. announcer and that yeah. was brutal and and Breeze has no Notre Dame connection he went to Purdue so mm -hmm. and he was from Texas so it's completely yeah. not I so the two names I thought of off the top of my head one was Jerome Bettis, because he has good personality, and he's always in front of a camp. Not always, but he's done a lot of on-air stuff. And right. He's a good interview, so I think that would be a good fit. And then the other name, obviously, would I come up with would be uh, Brady Quinn. I think he, he's already in the media. He's already well-spoken, articulate. He can speak quickly off the cuff. I think he'd be a good fit in that booth as well. And then, I don't know where you go after that. If you want to go outside the Notre Dame family, I mean, we have, like, Sims. He was a decent... I don't know, but Phil I, Sims or Chris Chris Sims. Sims. Yeah, I think that that makes sense because he already has a connection to NBC because right. they do and that that's show what I was the thinking. Peacock. Yeah, and he's done some stuff. True, but Bettis is intriguing. I hadn't thought about him, but he would be great. The, the one that makes the most sense to me right now is is Golick Golick Senior because he's you know again he's, you think over Brady Quinn. Yeah, yeah, I do okay. because he's, he's been in the games, he's yeah. been in the media forever. He's got a, yeah, he's got a lot of game calling experience. Whereas Quinn has done some, but he's still more like he seems like. Now I'm not saying he wouldn't be a good, good candidate, but I I would definitely put Golik over him because like Golik in the past would never would have had the opportunity because he was working at ESPN full time doing all the ESPN stuff. But he's not there now. He did I, I think two different radio uh, play, you know not play-by-play, -play, but analyst gigs last year. And he's he's done NFL games before. He's done college games before. And he's Notre Dame. And he's got, like you were just talking about personality. Mm -hmm. You know, like you could put him in the booth with anyone, and I think it would be a good booth. And you could even, because if if the only objection, because no, since, they've nev since NBC has never put a Notre Dame guy in there, if the only objection is you're trying to avoid, you know, whatever bias and all that stuff, even though you're ticking off the core of your audience by having USC guys and Purdue guys and, you know, just go down the list, Boston College guys. Yeah, Flutie. Multiple Boston College guys in there, even with Mayock, yeah. who I like, but a lot of people, you know, just went right to the fact that he's Boston College. But if that's your biggest thing, 
is that if you put a, a guy who's a, a known Notre Dame guy in there, it bias, like, why do you want to keep ticking off the majority of your well, audience? And just put another, you know, again, you just said you don't like three-man boost. Three-man boost can be annoying sometimes. But just put another, you know, they've had them before, just put another guy in there with a Notre Dame guy to, to balance it out if that's your biggest objection. Well, it's it's almost weird. I'd like to know why, but they, the people that they've gotten from USC, Boston, that's not even just another college because everybody comes from somewhere What we just said that. But they're going for rivals. But they've all got yeah, that's exactly right. It's not right. like it's you know a guy from Oklahoma that Notre Dame plays every couple decades. They're going against USC every it's, year. It's not Tim Boston Tebow. College every right. Yeah, so I don't understand why they would even unless there's got to be somebody up at NBC that maybe doesn't like Notre Dame. Like they have a bias against them, so they don't want it's that. It's weird. It's but weird. I I think having a Notre Dame guy in there would be such a splash that they already are propelled to like, oh, we finally got Golick, we got Bettis. Or, yeah. And Brady Quinn, I, I just think he'd fit well because he's so outspoken. But that's because he has a radio show and he's on it. He's a radio guy. See, but that's that, that would be like the only, you know, I don't know if he would give right. up everything that he's got at Fox right now to take that. Whereas, you know, again, like Golick is essentially still pretty much a free agent. He's doing a lot of different things, but in terms of TV – He's a free agent. You could plop him right in the booth, and I think he'd be great from the get-go because he's got so much experience and all the connections that he has. And you like getting a Notre Dame guy that came from their winning eras, like when the Holtz years, because yeah. everybody else is too young. They're still playing football. Well, he's pre-Holtz, or... so actually, I don't know <laughs> if that would be, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. But still, I mean, close enough. It's old enough that, like, you bring up Mike, or, uh, yeah, Golik, and you think, okay, Notre Dame guy you think of the old times i think that's a good good uh representation of the university i think bettis though is i don't know i think he's primed for a spot like that somewhere yeah. if he wants it and i mean i know he's graduating this year so maybe he's going on to no, other no, things that's but. true i you know and again i hadn't really thought about that but he's a good one as well but again less experience than a guy like golick and because golick did that radio show for so long there's a lot of people Mm-hmm. Who are going to know who he is? And if you know, they've kind of heard when they did the shtick on Mike and Mike with the Notre Dame stuff. So you know, so they know he's a Notre Dame guy. But I think I would think that they also know that he's not just you know a complete shill. I right. guess that you know that he can come in and and be pretty objective about the whole thing if he were in that booth and look at it the right way but we're both agreeing here that an ordained guy makes a lot of sense and that's the oh absolutely that's the and it's baffling they again it's done like that. I, I just yeah i have no idea why they've never done it before i'd rather hear and it's like the tony rumble effect it just sounds like he's having fun during the game yeah if you have a guy that's played for the rival and is tied to the rival that it's kind of hard to listen to that sometimes because you know that their heart isn't not that you want a homer booth but you kind of do don't you because it's a Local broadcast, not local, I mean it's national, but they're only covering Notre Dame. But again, that's why I think NBC has shied away from that yeah. before. Because then so, it becomes a homer they, booth. They don't want any kind of homer booth. Yeah. Hmm. Well, but you only have one team that you cover all year. I think that it makes more sense. And like you said, you the people so. watching the game, some national, and the, some people that hate Notre Dame, they don't care who they like. They're going to hate whoever's in there anyway. Yeah. So it might as well get somebody that makes the rest of the fan base happy to Would watch. Would you rather tick off the core of your audience week in and week out <laughs> with who you're putting in there or tick off the lower percentage of your audience who is tuning in because, you know, either they're, you know, they just want to watch the game or they're a fan of the other team, which, you know, you're probably talking about 70 30 most of the time. 
right? Right. So, or 60 40. I, I, I have to guess that, again, the vast majority of that. So, which are you more concerned about ticking off? Because right. you're ticking off your base all the time. And for years now, they've been and, ticking them off. And we talk about this sometimes as the second screen experience or like alternate viewing ways. It wouldn't be bad to have a complete homer shill, as you say, and then every week, like the opponent, have somebody from that. I mean, at the very have least, a second, but put that on your second screen, not in your main booth. Well, that's what I was getting ready to say. At the very least, you know, have like Golic and Quinn, you know, who Golic yeah. and Bettis or whoever in your mm-hmm. your quote unquote Manning cast on Peacock yep. now. Yeah, you know? and I think that would be really interesting to watch. Yeah, and like I say, you could bring in somebody, even if it's for a quarter or whatever. You know, somebody from USC, from somebody from Clemson, or whoever you're playing, you know, and that would be fun to watch. And you don't, and again, like what they say with the Manning cast, you don't have to be in person anymore. Very true. All right, we're going to take a timeout. More rapid fire coming up after this break on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat rolls on. Wrapping it up here in a few minutes. Again, no South Bend Cubs baseball tonight. Raining outside. They'll make it up with a doubleheader Saturday that'll start at 2.10 with Bobby Hensley, Sean Styers Fill in the blank. The brick and ivy outfield wall at Wrigley Field <laughs> is blank. Okay. As a White Sox fan, we're talking here. Uh-huh. Uh, That's White why Sox. you're getting this question today, because I saw you White Sox people. I didn't see you. No. I saw a lot of your kind complaining on Twitter last night. Though. I know, and if that make if people are complaining, I'm automatically going to go the other way. I th- <laughs> I'm going to say I think it's iconic. I think it's one of the few th- it's like the green wall in Boston. Is that stupid? Absolutely. Is it iconic? Absolutely. Uh-huh. You know, you, the green wall is dumb. It's too big. It's you get doubles off of it. It makes, you know, it just doesn't make sense. Right. The ivy and brick is kind of the same. I I think that that is iconic. It's one of the few things in baseball that if you had a picture of it, you know what ballpark you're at. You know it's part of the uh, mystique of Wrigley Field. Yeah, I completely agree. It's you know one of the few unique venues. It's, mm-hmm. It is obviously not cookie cutter, right? And uh, you know, one if you're a White Sox fan and you see Luis Robert crash into the wall, I, I think maybe there's safety concerns. Well, right, there's safety concerns, but it's been there forever. You know, they've they've played a lot of baseball there. And just because you run into the wall doesn't mean your your baseball career is going to end or what you know. It's like I remember a few years ago there was a playoff game. I can't remember who they were playing, but you know, again, you had to, like a ball get caught in the ivy, and all these people yeah, reacted don't. like, you know, you didn't know before this series that that there was ivy out there in the outfield wall. You know, it's people just like you know, the, like down in Houston. You remember the when Ron Hill? Yeah, <laughs> when they built Minute Maid, they built that little hill. They now loved they've, it. They've gotten rid of it. But, the, you know, they did it to make it unique. It's like all these, play, you know, the green monster, whatever. It's like we need more uniqueness. You know, don't just get away, you know, do away with well, it because it's like, oh, my guy might hurt himself. Again, they played a lot of baseball there, you know. So two things. One, there's a warning track anyway. Yeah. It's not like the grass you know goes right up. up to the ivy. Right. And and two, baseball is the only sport that truly has a home field advantage based on your park. Mm-hmm. It's not dimensions that have to go True. to a specific spot. And, you know, you, you, the old Tiger Stadium had a, um, the flagpole in center field that was a part of play. I think if you hit it, it was still in play or something like that. And, and the, all these little nooks and these little random things, I think that makes the game more fun. It makes the venue more fun. It's like in football, you get a snow game. It, I think those are exciting to watch because it's so different. You just don't get it all the time. Baseball, you can do that with your ballparks if you just do it right. And I was thinking of Enron. I call it Enron Hill because it was Enron Stadium. But 
that was cool because you could run up on go up the hill and catch a ball 436 feet away from home plate or uh-huh. whatever it was. Yeah. So I like all those. It's like the pool in Arizona. Every ballpark should have something close to it that's just a little different. I think. Yeah. I. I completely the waterfalls agree. in Kansas City, stuff like that. Yeah, and the you know the fact that they keep it around. I, I mean, would you really want to you know go to a game at Wrigley Field and it's just padded out field wall? And by the way, those padded out field walls, guys get hurt running into those too. Right. You know, because the the padding is a it's a loose word. It right. still hurts. It's like a wrestling mat. Right. Exactly. Um, I'm trying to see how much time we've got here. Uh, l- let's do this question. I'm going to save a couple of these others for Monday. When you come back, five Mets pitchers combined for a no-hitter last weekend. So when it comes to the big leagues, are combined no-hitters a big deal or a who cares? Who cares? I think part of the the allure of a no-hitter is the guy throwing it and mm-hmm. watching him as he gets his pitch count. And, you know, no-hitters in general are so – they're starting to become passe almost. It, there's been so many of them. A perfect game is obviously a different situation. All these guys throwing 100 miles an hour, you know? But I think just the no-hitters in general, it's like what I said, like we're at Super Bowl, what, 55 this year or something? When you get to When you get to Super Bowl 386, some of these, like who cares now? Like there's just been so many. <laughs> and baseball's an older sport with a lot more no-hitters over uh-huh. their past. So I think even if it is a pitcher, if it's not one of the mainstream main guys, who cares? It kind of gets lost. Remember – uh well, see, now I, I I think I would disagree with that because that is, yeah, it does get lost, but it's also cool that you know maybe your number four starter, somebody that you've never heard of, ends up going the distance, pitching a no hitter, whereas you know again the combined, especially when you're talking about five pitchers, you know if like again in today's baseball when you've got these guys throwing all this gas. You you almost should be able to combine for right. a no hitter because you get if more you're fresh. rolling five different guys out there. Yeah, with all those different arms, different velocities, different pitches, and you know different looks and all this different stuff. So yeah, so, I, I agree. I think it's much less of a big deal when it's a combined no hitter, especially you know even two guys maybe is one thing, but when you're talking well, five, you know four or five, that's yeah. there's been 315 times that this has occurred in baseball, and the Three, last 315 no hitters, no hitters overall. Okay. Yeah. And then um, the, the 314th one, which was before the Mets, was Corbin Burns and Josh Hader for the Brewers. Last year, in 2021, there was two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine no-hitters last year alone. And only a couple of them were single pitchers. But that's what I mean. Could you name any of those pitchers? Do you remember there was nine no-hitters Off the top last? of my head, no. It's, do you, it's and a, do you remember there were nine last year right. even? That's it's, a, it's a cool thing in the moment. Exactly. Yeah, but as soon as it's over, you're right. You're right. Because, like... You know, I had to think for for a second. Remember, there was all the stuff with Clayton Kershaw back a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. when they took him. I guess it's been more than a couple of weeks now, but they took him out. You know, when he had a perfect game going and all That's that different. stuff. Yeah, perfect games are way different. I think. Yeah, because that's nobody like that means a ball three count matters. Whereas a no hitter, you're like, yeah, just walk him. Like realistically, you could have a no hitter and lose if you walk yeah. enough guys that you score runs. True. So a no hitter to me isn't quite as impressive anyway. So I, I don't I I don't think it really is that important anymore. Yep, I agree. Combined no hitters. Get them out of here. Not as big a deal. Like if you're talking about high school, you know, something like that, then I think it's a little you know, it's it's, it's still cool. more rare. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. You know, like yeah, like 
especially a combined no hitter because like the team, like the aces, you know, the, like in a high school, the guy who's going to go on and be a stud, simply like you see those guys pitching no hitters a lot. But yeah, like a combined no hitter in high school, that's that's still pretty cool. And in person, no matter what, it would be cool to see. Yep, absolutely. All right, Budweiser's weekday sports beat is brought to you by Budweiser, the king of beers, locally distributed by United Beverage Company of South Bend. Tim Grawl State Farm Insurance, Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger, and the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. Stay dry out there and be safe if you're celebrating Cinco de Mayo. Talk to you <laughs> next week. Hmm. Budweiser's weekday sports beat. Sports Radio 960 AM, WSBT, South Bend. Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today.